Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, my lovely listeners. And today, you're going to want to lock all your doors, shut all your windows, and be thankful that VHS isn't readily used anymore. Do you remember the good old days of VHS? I remember walking into those video easy aisles, at least that's what we had here, and just getting lost in what films to watch next. Or meeting with friends, and half of us going to grab dinner whilst the other half go and pick the snacks and videos for the night and sometimes for the whole weekend. We still do that, but it's all online. <laughs> this story by I Used To Like Movies, appropriately named, with their no sleep story titled be kind, always rewind, will get your skin crawling. So grab yourself a warm beverage. I have my tea. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So good. Turn the lights off, the sound up, and get ready for something different. This is a story from when I was younger. I normally never talk about it. My parents know the story, which led to the police knowing, and eventually, my psychologist. When I was 12, I found a serial killer. I grew up in a small town that only had a video store and a few pawn shops. The video store would revolve owners and names every few months. I remember You Rent It, Movie Night, Quicks Rent, and a few others. Between changing hands, it would be shut down a lot. No matter what the name on the store was, it had the same inventory, frozen from the late 80s. Instead, I had to rely on pawn shops for my movies. I loved movies, and I, at one point, wanted to be a screenwriter. I would devour whatever movie I could get my hands on, breaking it apart, studying it, and learning from it. The town I lived in had a lot of older folks, and they would dump their collections of movies at the stores. It wasn't until I moved that I realized we treated them more like thrift stores, where people would sell junk for pennies, and someone else would buy them for a little more money. The one I visited frequently wasn't too far from my home, and it was owned by a friend of the family. We called him Bubba, but I heard other people call him Eugene. He would let me rent movies from the shop if they weren't too busy. He was a huge influence on my interest in cinema, and we would talk a lot about movies. He told me he worked on a few films, and I wouldn't stop asking him questions when he wasn't busy. I remember the day I found the first video cassette tape. It was Christmas time when I saw a copy of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It was rare for him to have movies that were released in the last 10 years, so I instantly grabbed the copy. Bubba waved me off and said I can settle up when I returned it, if I let him know how it was. My bedroom was on the second floor of the opposite side of the house of my parents, who stayed in the master bedroom downstairs. I think they picked this arrangement so they didn't have to listen to me watching movies all the time. It was a Saturday night, and I stayed up a little later to watch the movie. I had popcorn and chocolate, and I was wrapped in a blanket since it was chilly. After the trailers for some other movies, there was a weird trailer for something else. It was filmed using a camcorder, and it was showing parts of my town. It was completely silent. The three-minute clip showed the camera walking through the woods near where we lived, 
and stopped in the backyard of a house. You could clearly see into the windows, where a family of four were eating dinner. As the camera got closer to the house, suddenly almost jogging, the family seemed jolted by a noise in the opposite direction. Then, the clip cut off. The movie played exactly as normal. It was okay. The trailer didn't really bother me at the time. I thought it was some new horror movie coming out. Trailers for The Blair Witch were coming out, though I guess it wouldn't have appeared on a movie from the 80s. I went back to the shop to return the movie and talk to Bubba. How was it? It was good. They had a giant ant as a friend. Too cool, kid. Too cool. Ah, oh, Christ. Bubba said, noting the tape. Someone marked on the sleeve. I hate when people ruin copies of movies like that. He rubbed his thumb over a black circle. A perfectly rounded circle. On the side of the cassette. I remember exchanging that for another film. Honey, I blew up the kid. Hey, I was a child. I had simple tastes. As Bubba marked the movie in the ledger, I pointed at the side of the tape. That has a circle too. God dag it. He caught himself as he remembered me. I'll have to order some sleeves. I'll get on Tala for not inspecting these better. Sorry, buddy. I shrugged, thanked him, and took the tape home. Admittedly, by this point, I forgot about the trailer totally. Unfortunately, when I watched this movie, I realized it was a teaser for something much worse. The tape ran with the normal trailers and the movie. It was less okay. However, in the middle of the credits, which I always watched because I wanted to be in them one day, the screen went to static, and the same style of video as the trailer started. I could see four people in the scene. Two were dead in the background, while two others were tied to chairs, set at the dining room table. I knew it was at the house from the previous footage. One of the people at the table was an older woman, who clearly was the mother. She was sobbing through a rag stuffed in her mouth. The other was a boy younger than me. The camera was on a tripod facing them, with the chair from the head of the table out of view. Aren't you going to ask me how my day went? A voice off screen asked. I heard a click, like it was being filtered through a machine. It was really bad. I did something to our kids. I killed one of them, Molly. It was all my fault. A hand appeared from off screen and gripped the woman's hand. But... We'll make it through this. We'll fix this together. As a family. Little Roddy, you, Molly, and me. We'll forget about whatever her name is. See? We are already moving on. Roddy, you get to be an only child now. The hand tussled the tied-up boy's hair. That means spoiling. The voice took in a sing-song quality until the boy leaned back and began crying. God damn it! Why must you ruin dinner time? He shouted, his real voice almost breaking over the modulator. I guess I'll have to find a better family. The sound of a chair scooting out and hard bootfalls boomed. The shadow of someone tall and foreboding came in the screen near the camera. The woman began to shriek through her gag and the video cut off and returned to credits. I slept with my lights on after that. I wanted to tell someone, anyone, what I saw, but I wasn't exactly sure how. 
I was also afraid to bring it up and make it real. If I could pretend it was just some fucked up dream, then I knew I'd be able to forget about it. It took a few weeks, but I got over it. The further I got away from the experiences, the more I could pretend it wasn't happening. Trauma can short-circuit an adult mind, and I was only 12. After some time, I went back to the shop, and Bubba was excited when I walked in. He said some guy dropped off massive garbage bags of movies from the last five years. I was floored, and started to forget my fears. He let me sift through it, and take whatever I wanted, so long as it wasn't R-rated. I kept thinking of millions of possibilities that could have gotten me to the point where I am now. Had I come later, had I picked other movies, just an infinite number of choices, and everything would be different. I could be dead. I saw Honey We Shrunk Ourselves, and my hands were sweating and shaking. On the side of the tape, I saw a wet circle. Ink stuck to my finger when I pressed on it. I nervously grabbed it and a few others. I waited until my parents were asleep, and then I popped in the movie. There was nothing different until the midway point. The video went to static, and I could taste that metallic sensation of fear. The video started in a cabin, or building made of wood. Outside was totally dark, far darker than the town usually got. A chair was shrouded in the dark, lit only by moonlight, and then a candle was lit, illuminating it better. Into the scene walked a man, wearing a cloak that covered his body, and a mask that looked like it was a homemade version of the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. It covered his entire head. He reached up and pressed something under the mask. There was a whooshing sound like air. I have been working for a very long time to get what most people fall into. I have gone through this life realizing the act that everyone subscribes to and understanding that if I don't also become an actor, I wouldn't ever find my part. This world is imaginary, and all of this is an elaborate theater. Every good theater needs a villain, so I realize that is my role. However, even bad villains have a family. Hitler had one, David Koresh had one, Jim Jones, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, Charlie Manson. They all had people who cared. I do not. So, I continue to use the theater to fulfill my duty to the act, to become the villain. So long as I can use the script to get what I want, a family. The video switched to a vignette of scenes of various towns and cities. I've looked a lot. I found candidates. The vignette showed the cameraman talking to women and children, shaking their hands, helping them with groceries. But then I learned we aren't on the same side. Then the video showed the same people being bound and strangled with gloved hands. I am running out of patience. I've run out of my soul. I need to make this happen. The video shifted to my town. It showed the family I watched from the first two tapes being strangled one by one, with their voices muted. Their eyes were wide, staring deep into the camera as the hands pressed hard enough to dig into their throats. But then, I found one of promise, one who was compelled and attracted to the pageantry and arts like me. Then, it showed me 
walking into the thrift shop. It showed me carrying videos and going home. It showed the outside of my window filled with flickering lights and colors of movies I was watching. I know you well, my son, don't worry. Daddy's coming home. The voice said. I swear it sounded like it was smiling. I showed my parents, and they immediately called the cops, who then immediately seized Bubba's collection to find all the others like it. I told my therapist about it, trying to work out how to go on knowing I'd been stalked by this monster. They never arrested anyone, and it stayed out of the news because when they searched the house from the first two tapes, they found no evidence of a murder whatsoever, and no one ever reported the family missing. By all accounts, they were still on vacation since their cars were being charged in Florida and other places. I tried very hard to forget it all happened, but I never could. Then, I got a VHS in the mail. It was addressed, My Son. It was a copy of a movie called, Honey, I Am Coming Home. On the spine, there was the black circle. I haven't watched it because I don't have the VHS. But I called the police. They are on their way to help. They promised me everything would be okay. We are sending a car now. The operator said, You are safe. Everything will be okay. The voice paused. We will be a family at long last. The call dropped before I could say anything else. And now, I am waiting with a gun, trained at the door, writing this to keep my mind at ease, posting this with the hopes of my story getting out there, even if I don't. A huge thank you to I Used To Like Movies. And wow, that's a morbid ending. You gotta wonder who the stalker was. Do you think it was one of the two employees at the video store? We'll never know. But it was great to read a story involving VHSs. VHS. It's funny how I think of VHSs personally as being the most acceptable media format to be creepy. It's so strange. For example, you have the film The Ring, which has that ghost creeping through the television, slowly crawling, head down on all fours, like some sort of possessed demon, and murdering those that watch the VHS within that seven-day period. I mean, she must be on a tight schedule. And then you have other formats like the haunted Japanese phone film, that when you pick up the phone call, you're haunted then to death, dying in mysterious and tragic ways. But it seems like other types of media just don't lend themselves as well as VHS does regarding horror. There is something more strangely tangible and eccentric about using a VHS that all the other media formats just simply can't capture. In this case, we have a murderous stalker who's attached to our protagonist by the films they watch. Can you imagine though, a cursed DVD? Or a cursed USB stick? Yeah, doesn't have the same ring to it. I mean, if something comes crawling out of my monitor, I'm either gonna offer it a tea, or just turn the power off. Simple. <laughs> but regarding this story, I really enjoyed how the author of this story though was able to tie it all together, to bring it all back to that focal point, the discovery of the stalker. Although the VHS was what started it all, it becomes less important as the situation takes on a life of its own. It's this seamless transition that makes this story so enjoyable. It doesn't feel cliched when it easily could have been, and 
takes a surprisingly different route, when I figure some people would have guessed that the story's plot would have been very different. I was actually thinking without having read this in its entirety that there was some sort of killer on the loose and the only way to find that killer is by rewinding pre-recorded tapes or VHSs that he had collected over his time from the video store. But this plot surprised me and I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much I used to like movies for sharing this with all of us. And I hope all of you out there enjoyed the episode. Now, if you want to support this podcast and the authors that feature here, there's two things I'd love for you to do. One is leave an iTunes review, which helps everyone on here reach even more listeners. And the second is word of mouth. If you have a friend that is bored or your family member asks you, what have you been up to? Introduce me to them and I can help them fight off boredom. <laughs> there is nothing quite like that friend who shows you a podcast that you've been searching for. And as a podcast listener myself, I know all too well the struggle to find that one podcast. And for all of you out there that are doing both, holy moly, thank you so much. I am eternally grateful. You're helping the podcast plus the authors, everyone wins, and I cherish every single one of you that are helping out. Tomorrow though, I have for you another Japanese folk story, and I can't wait to share it with you. I received such positive feedback from yesterday's episode that I'll be doing all of the Japanese folk stories that I can. So rest assured you're going to have some very unique stories heading your way, starting from tomorrow. So yes, listeners, you have a big sway in the stories that I cover. If you have a genre or era that you would love to hear more about, send me an email at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. And not only will I respond, but I will take in your feedback and add it to my list of things to cover. So have a fantastic day or creepy night. And as always, till next time.